Hey, it's Brandon Turner. Just a quick introduction to today's episode. So this is A Better Life with Brandon Turner. And one of the questions that I ask on the show every single week to the guest is, who are two people who changed the direction of your life? I call them pivot people. They moved your life, pivoted it in a more positive direction. Well, today, I'm excited to bring you this incredible conversation with one of my pivot people, somebody who really changed the direction of my life and has actually changed millions of other lives as well. His name is Tim Tebow. So Tim is one of the most inspirational, generous, kind, and massively uh, strong guys I've ever had the pleasure to meet. Tim rose to worldwide fame, uh, as maybe you probably know, as like arguably the single greatest college football player in history. He even became more famous by, uh, you may have heard of him because the whole Bible verse reference under his eyes, like in the black below his eyes during games, that made him super popular and famous and everyone was Googling what he was doing. Today, though, he's even more well-known due to his heart. So he runs a nonprofit called the Tim Tebow Foundation, uh, where they work tirelessly to serve what Tim calls the true MVPs of the world, the most vulnerable people. And they largely focus on saving those who are victims of human trafficking, uh, both kids and adults. So as you're going to hear in the interview, uh, it was a speech that Tim gave that I was at a small event with him a few years ago that actually led to the creation of this entire podcast and the Better Life Tribe, which we donate 100% of profits to charities that fight human trafficking. In fact, this year, the Tim Tebow Foundation will be getting a check from us on stage in person when Tim gives the keynote speech at the Better Life Summit in Las Vegas in early December 2023. So I hope with all my heart that you are a member of the tribe and that if you are, you'll be there in Vegas to hear Tim present in person. You can get your tickets at Better Life summit2023.com. That's betterlifesummit2023.com. And hey, if you're not a tribe member, you can actually join right now at www.abetterlife.com and then come to the summit. I hope this conversation becomes a pivot moment in your life. So without further ado, enough from me. Let's get to the episode. So many times we also will be passionate for, let's just say, the bottom line, Mm -hmm. right? Or we're passionate to win a game or score a touchdown, but are we as or more passionate about something that matters? And are we, as people that get the chance to sometimes lead, do we care more about our passion for the bottom line or our compassion for the bottom person? Welcome to A Better Life with Brandon Turner. That is me, where world-class guests share their wisdom on building a better life. Join me as we explore the habits, the actions, and the beliefs that have guided their journey with the aim of helping you apply those lessons to your own. Tim Tebow, welcome to the podcast, man. Appreciate you, man. Dude, you're looking so good. That beard game is so on point. Oh, thank you got you. the fade working. Oh, a little oh. faux hawk. I'm working Come it, man. On, man. Like I said, I ju- just got it done today just for this. I love I it. I had to impress you, man. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, you always do. Uh, okay, good, man. So, okay, I know you, obviously, and a lot of people know you as, you know, a pro football player, also baseball, also Heisman Trophy winner. Three times New York Times bestselling author, all the good stuff. Uh, found, would you say founder of the Tim Tebow Foundation? Is that a founder name? I don't know. You know, I get to, a lot of time when I get to introduce myself, I yeah. just say I'm like full time water boy. Yeah, just, there you go. Just serve the team <laughs> however I can. I so. love it, man. Well, so that, I mean, everyone knows you for that stuff, but take us back before that. Who was Tim Tebow before all that? That's a, a really good question. I think, you know, to answer it, I probably even back it up to, early childhood of 
just having two amazing heroes as parents mm. that had an amazing impact on me, but not really because what they told me. Mm. What do you mean by that? It's what they showed me. Mm. It's what I got to see them do. You know, when you, you have a, a dad that you get to see him give his adult life to helping people that could never do anything for him. Yeah. That makes a big impact. When he tells you about loving people, it's not words. I got to see him live it out. And when you have a mom that's willing to raise five kids a lot of times on her own because he was out preaching and helping and serving in villages all over the world, and she is able to do that with such confidence and belief and security mm. and made such an impact to me still does and still to this day they're two of my greatest heroes that's great. and that's made such an impact on my life and it really does to this day that yesterday i get to get a call from my dad and he says hey did you listen to pastor joby and his message yesterday and it was you know talking uh, you know on work and everything and just and i was like no and i, was, I loved it because it wasn't my dad it was a hero that was still coaching me mm. And it just, I just, I love it. And I think that's been something that I've just been so grateful for that I just was so stupid for so long and I just took it for granted and I tended to appreciate it as much as I should. Yeah, I would say most of my life, I didn't appreciate it as much as I do now. Of Man, I, I get to call my parents when I could get the chance to call a lot of people or fortunate to know a lot of yeah. amazing people. Still, some of my first calls are mom and dad. Yeah, That's just such a blessing to me. Oh, that's amazing. Were you always like a generally good kid? Do you have any like, you know, rebellious years where you just like left the church, left God, left your family, or have you always been fairly close? Well, I think one of the things that when we understand the gospel, we understand that Christianity isn't about going from average to a little bit better. It's about going from dead to alive, mm. going from an enemy of God to adopted into the family of God. And I think sometimes that's we think, oh, if someone's not, you know, super far out doing this or this. No, but the message of the gospel is we were on a road to destruction and there's a weight and a gravity mm. to our sin. I remember I was 15 years old and I was in a prison in the Philippines. Well, I wasn't in prison, I was visiting yeah, prison. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and went in with my, uh, one of my brothers and we walk in this just massive concrete block and all of the men are just, they're not in cells, they're just in a big massive block. Mm. And uh, we walk in, we walk to the back and there's a little five gallon bucket. I flip over, I sit on it. My brother stands up to share and he gets to the point of the cross. And the majority of the men in there were um, murderers, rapists, drug dealers. And um, he gets to the cross and he looks at all of them and says, hey, hey, look at me, guys. I just want you to know I nailed Jesus to the cross. Mm. And I look up and I'm kind of thinking like, what? No, no. If anybody did, they did. Yeah. And I just felt like God was totally pricking my heart, saying, no, Timmy, you did. Mm. There was a weight to my sin. I was never average. It got a little bit better. No, I was dead. And because of Christ's yeah. extravagant love for you and me and all people, that we get to accept that gift. Yeah. Like, And that was such an impactful point for me, a, a realization also of 
what Jesus has done. No, he loves me enough to go. He loves you enough to go, to give, to die for us. There is a weight, a gravity to what we have been saved from. Yeah. And I think that's just always important that we remember it, that Christianity is not average to a little bit better. It's it's not a scale of you're ticking here and now you're ticking here. It is, I was old and now I'm new and there was nothing that I could ever do about it. It was all because of what he did on our behalf for us. Yeah, I love that. I love it, man. You know, so one thing, I don't think I've ever told you this. I mean, we've texted a few times over the last year since I first met you at a, at the Wellspring yeah. up in Cloud Camp. But that day at, in Colorado at Cloud Camp, I was shopping for a private jet that morning. So I'm sitting there shopping for a private jet because I was going to launch some new business and I was almost guaranteed to be successful because I had a big Instagram following in real estate. I'm going to launch a real estate group and we're going to make a ton of money. And I'm literally shopping for a jet that day and uh, thinking, man, I'm just going to have it made. And then you showed up. And you spoke. And that day I switched, I went from a hundred percent of like, I'm going to make so much money from this thing. And I'm putting my private jet order in to you spoke and, and you said some words that maybe I'll steal them. You'll, maybe you'll say Please. them later. I mean, I'm going to steal them from you, but no, you said, say them. I don't want to enter heaven well-rested. Yes. That line rocked my world. And I was like, and it was like, God spoke more clearly than, than, than I think I've ever heard before is like, you don't need a private jet. Like they need help, just they, like yeah. people need help. Uh, change the entire mission of the entire company. We gave 100% of profits going to charity. In fact, wow. to your guys this, this year uh, and probably future years. But yeah, man, I just wanna say thank you for that. Like tell me my perspective went from here to here because of those words. So yeah, keep preaching it. Well, thank you. Thanks for what you're doing, the difference that you're making, the way that you love people, that radical generosity, that radical love. God so loved the world he gave. Mm. When you love, truly when we understand the agape form of love, it leads you to give for them. Mm. And I just thank you for the way that you love. Well, thanks. It is something that has been put on my heart that I would say is a conviction, concern, fear, maybe. I know that heaven will be great. Can't even imagine what it'll be like. Yeah. But I also do not want to get there and think, now I'm ready to go to work. Yeah. And God will say, I had so much for you to do. Mm. You just spent so much time doing other less meaningful things. Yeah. And I really hope, I know I've wasted a lot of days of my life doing silly things, but I I really hope that I could spend the days I have going forward uh, running after what matters and that when I get to heaven, I would be full, but exhausted. Yeah, yeah. Where did the heart toward, you know, the Tim Tebow Foundation, everything you're doing, whether it's the the night out, am I saying the word night right? To the shine. night to shine. Yeah. The night to shine, and then also just the work against the human trafficking, like the horrors of that. Where did that come from? Like, why did that spark in you uh, uh, a need? All the same place. I met a boy in the jungles of the Philippines who was born with his feet on backwards, and because of that, he was viewed as less than insignificant and cursed, and mm-hmm. he was a throwaway. And make a long story short, I knew that day that he wasn't a throwaway to God, but God was pricking my heart saying, yeah, but Timmy, what is he going to be to you? Yeah. And um, just, I didn't know what it looked like. You just have a, I don't know, it's a piercing of your soul, of your heart, where you just know I'm supposed to somehow lift up or fight for or speak up for the least, the last, the lost, the hurting, the thrown away. 
And just somehow when the Bible says that God is near to the brokenhearted, I better be too. Yeah. I don't even know what that means, but I don't know how to live that out. I'm, I knew I'm supposed to do something. And, and on that path from, I guess, what is that? My summer of my sophomore year of high school, you're trying to figure that out and going through everything. But there's three or four or five other events that reemphasize that and reemphasize that and reemphasize that, mostly all on mission trips too, mm-hmm. and reemphasize that I'm supposed to care for the hurting. I'm supposed to care for the abandoned. I'm supposed to care for the abused. And then when I would do it, I would be by far the most fulfilled of anything that I ever did, more than any game, any championship, any award. Like that was praise, but this is fulfillment. Way different, way different. And it was also, I think, a kindness of God to give me more chances because I'm stubborn <laughs> and and I would, I know, I know I'm called, but let me keep chasing this. Yeah. Oh, I know I'm called, but I'm gonna keep chasing this. Yeah. And it was a kindness of God to continue. And he still does it to this day because, man, I'll just lose track so fast. But still to this day, he'll remind me, this is such a big part of what I created you for. Mm. It's something that I see in Christian circles a lot is we, there's like two extremes here. There, there's so much pain in the world, right? There's yes. so much pain. I mean, just look at Gaza over the past couple of weeks, yes. right? Like I read today, there's 4,000 children who have perished. Like it's just, it's so overwhelming. You either, A, I feel like I have to dedicate my entire life to it and just make make me miserable because I, I just get overwhelmed by the sadness and it has to be everything. Or the opposite, I have to ignore it completely. Yeah. And I, I think people- good point, man. How do, you, how do you live in the middle? So you'll hear this. I've, we've never shared this yet. We've been praying about it. Our new core values here, some of the rest of the team will hear this tomorrow. I've uh, been praying about and thinking to share, but one of our core values that we've just been really praying and praying and agonizing and talking through is um, to embrace- the joy and the burden of the call. Mm. We have to do both. The joy of the Lord is our strength and rejoice in all things. Again, I say rejoice, Paul tells us. There's so many times we're told in scripture to rejoice and, and the joy of the Lord is our strength and there's so much. And that is true. And we need to be renewed daily in our walk with Christ. And that joy is brought in us and manifested you know, through a relationship with Christ. And it's, it's what we get to do. And there is a, a joy in the, the blessings that we get to go live out of a relationship with Him and the love for people. There's a joy in that, but there's also a burden in it. And I think we get to know that the joy of the Lord is our strength and we get to rejoice because we know where our hope comes from. Our hope comes from the Lord. And we also get to know that the biblical form of hope is not, I am wishing upon a star or I hope my team wins, but the biblical form of hope is to look forward with confidence, expectation, and anticipation. It's the best definition for the biblical form of hope I've ever heard. Mm. And why can we look forward with confidence, expectation, and anticipation? Because the hope is based on the promises of God. And that God's not just a promise maker, but a promise keeper. And so we get that joy that is based on the love, the compassion, and the hope that we have in Jesus. But we also have this burden that is is a God-given burden as well for the hurting because we love them. For Christ's love compels us that one died for all, therefore all died. And so that we would no longer 
live regarding one from an earthly perspective, right? So when Paul is telling us that Christ's love compels us, another way to translate that is that Christ's love controls us. Yeah. And literally that where we get that word from, the literal meaning, it's hold together. So one, God's love does hold us together in the highs and in the lows, in those hard situations where you see so much pain and disaster and desperation, it also holds us together, but it also compels us to go in there. You know, because I believe in scripture, 12 times compassion was used and eight times it was used to talk about Jesus. Mm. And the Greek word is splunknizomai. And it literally means to be moved from your most inward parts, from your organs, from your most inward parts, to be moved so much that you can't help act. And when it talks about Jesus, he moves from his inward parts, compassion that he goes and acts. And the best definition that I've ever heard of compassion is to care so much for someone that you're willing to suffer with them. Mm. So when it talks about Jesus sees and has compassion, he cares so much he's willing to suffer with them. He went to the cross. He cares so much. He's willing to meet their needs. So for us, yes, we have the joy of the Lord is our strength, and that's where we find our hope. But we also have a burden of the call that, man, when people are hurting, we got to go into that desperation. We got to go into that because we love them so much that we are willing to give. And yes, we're moved from our inward parts. And there is a burden with that to get to the next, to get to the next, to get to the next, because they're hurting. And most don't think that anyone's coming for them. Yeah. But hopefully there will be some that will say, hey, I know there's some people that love me enough. They have compassion and they're coming. Mm. They're going to show up. You know, some of the most impact that I've ever been in my life is from some different young girls that we had the chance to care for. And they have written in their time of desperation, I didn't think anyone was ever coming for me. Yeah. I thought, man, should all of the, all people especially all Christians, all men should be so compelled to think, man, how could we be in a place where there is little girls that think no one's ever coming for me because she believes that she's not worth it. That just doesn't cut you to your core. I don't know what will. So that's why one of our core values is that we embrace the joy, what God is doing, because God is doing so much around the world. We embrace the joy. We embrace who He is. We embrace the the joy of the hope that we have, but we also have the burden to get to the next, to get to the next, so that maybe we will show up exhausted. Mm. Man, that's beautiful. You know, you mentioned the word compassion, and then you said best definition is to suffer alongside. Yes. Uh, and I think you mentioned it actually on a podcast with Ed Milet, uh, but I've been saying this for years as well, the word passion, meaning the passion of the Christ. Yes, to suffer. that's right. So it does. compassion. It is. It's, yeah. they're, they're tied. Compassion they're tied, yeah. from passion. Yeah. And the way that I describe it is the best definition for passion is to care so much for something you're willing to suffer for. And yeah. compassion is you care so much for someone you're willing to suffer with them. Mm. And they're two of my favorite words and favorite meanings. And I think that we should be compelled by both, by the passion of the Christ, that he cared so much he was willing to suffer for us. And then we should be so compelled that we care so much for people we're willing to suffer with them. Yeah. That's beautiful, man. Yeah. I mean, how many times do people say like, I can't find my passion. I don't know what my passion is right now. Or, you know, how do I, whether it's in business or in life, it's like, 
and I look at that, I'm like, well, what are you willing to suffer for? That's right. It's not so that much of right. what I want because that changes all the time. That's right. Uh, and it also, I've been very impacted by it too because when I think about it, I'm convicted many times. Well, it's my greatest passion for something that really matters. And so many times we also will be passionate for, let's just say, the bottom line, mm -hmm. right? Or we're passionate to win a game yeah. or score a touchdown. But are we as or more passionate about something that matters? And are we, as people that get the chance to, to sometimes lead, do we care more about our passion for the bottom line or our compassion for the bottom person? Mm, that's deep, man. Related to passion, uh, another word that you talk about is mission. Mm. You know, you've got that book, Mission Possible. Can you explain what is mission and purpose? Like, what does that mean in a person's a life? A job or a task someone has given to do. Another way to break it down is, is in its origin also means to send. And I mm. believe we have been sent here for a mission. You have a mission. I have a mission. All of us has a mission. And part of our life should be trying to figure out, God, what is the mission that you have given me? I think in the macro it's the same for us to love God and to love people. Love the Lord your God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? But in the micro of the way that we live that out, ours is, has overlap, but it also can be very different, right? God's given you the ability to be very successful in business and, and this podcast and use it to, to lead, to influence, and who knows the ripple effects of someone that might be watching this and the impact that you could have on them. And maybe, you know, God used me in a game every now and then or something. Who knows? The, but then it's, I think with our lives, it's always trying to figure out, God, what are, what's that mission you have for me? I think another way you could break it down is purpose. The reason something is done, used, created, or exist. What are those micro missions, mm. micro purposes, micro callings for us? I think those are all things that I just wouldn't challenge everyone to sit and think, meditate, and pray on. What is specifically for me? And I do think it can change throughout your life. Sure. That's why I wanted to write Mission Possible. I wanted to encourage and maybe challenge people a little bit to say, okay, do we really believe that we've been given a mission? If so, do we believe it's possible? And I believe the mission that God has given us is also one that is possible. Possible just means to be able. And sometimes we feel this daunting task. And I think sometimes that can be overwhelming and sometimes it can be healthy. There is a, a lot that we have to face, but remember what God has called us to, he's also going to equip us for, and that it is possible to live out the mission. Now, it might not be possible to do whatever we want, or, yeah. you know, sometimes we have these big dreams and that's not what I'm saying. We should believe in a big God, but it's not that I can just go do anything when, you know, we're told I can do all things through Christ strengthens me. It just doesn't mean I can just go do anything I want. That's meant more in the sense of wherever God has placed me, whatever I'm going through, God can give me the strength to handle it. Mm. And I just would love to encourage people that, man, you have been given a mission. <laughs> You have been given a purpose. You really have. It's not just a bumper sticker. It's not a catchphrase. You have mission. You have a calling. You have a purpose. Yeah. And it is possible to live it out. Many times not on our own strength, but connected to the source of life. What about those people right now listening that are like, I don't know my purpose. I don't know my mission. I'm lost. I'm working a dead-end job I don't like. I'm not connected to a community. Yeah. I'm, just, I'm just drifting through life yeah. right now. Like, What's your advice for them? Well, I think no matter where you're at, what you're doing, God can use you. And I believe that he wants to. 
I really do. I believe that God wants to use you. I believe that God loves you like crazy. I believe that he came on a rescue mission for you. Would you trust him? And would you ask him, say, God, what do you want me to do? And then would you just open your hands and say, all right, God, with where I'm at, with what you've given me, it might not be where I want to be. I might have a goal of wanting to be there tomorrow, Mm -hmm. but why I'm here today, God, just use me. Let me do something. But then would you be willing to, in that moment, if he asks you to share or give a hug or encourage or just comfort or open the door, start with something small. I'm reminded of the story of Desmond Doss. And do you remember Hacksaw Ridge? I believe yeah, it came yeah, out in yeah. 2016. Yeah, um, that was a great movie. Yeah, it was uh, so impactful. Yeah. And I uh, I can't remember why it just popped in my brain, but I think it was the, they were in the Battle of Okinawa and so many of the men were going down. And one of the things that just impacted me was his conviction, his conviction, you know, of just to try to live it out and not wanting to pick up a gun. And But then his conviction in that moment that he started praying, Lord, please help me get one more. Mm. But what's so impactful to me about it is he's praying while he was crawling because mm-hmm. he was crawling to go get one more and pull him back to safety and praying while he was crawling, Lord, help me get one more. And I don't remember exact final, but maybe he was like pulled like 70 or 75 people back to safety. And I just think maybe for that person that's thinking right now, maybe you would say, Lord, please help me get one more, but start crawling. But start crawling. Start crawling. I think God can use anything to impact us. I just don't usually think he uses Netflix a lot. Yeah. You know, (laughs) I I think it's a lot of times that, you know, he can for sure. I'm not trying to downplay that. I'm just trying to say the greater point was say, God, use me, but go for a walk. Yeah. Just go to the soup kitchen. Yeah. Give a book to someone on the street. Go pray for someone. And maybe if it's never something you've done before, then start small. But let's move. Let's move. Start crawling why we're praying, Lord, please help me get one more. Mm, that's amazing, man. Yeah, I think there's a tendency to your wait, you're waiting on God to give you a mission without taking action. Yes. I think people do it, I hear a lot of times with like college kids or high school kids, I don't know where to go to college. God hasn't told me where to go to college yet. I'm like, where are you planning anywhere? Like, <laughs> yeah, like yeah. What, you know, just take steps and like, I don't know. Well, guess what? When I was trying to decide, I had no idea. And it was one of the most agonizing processes yeah. I've ever ever went through. And I prayed about it and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed. And I had no idea. And I just had to decide and I picked. But then you could look back well afterwards and see. And I remember one time my dad said to me, I said, Dad, I just prayed about it so much. and never had any peace yeah. or any clarity on it. And he said, huh, Timmy. Isn't it kind of unique? Sometimes walking by faith, you don't always know everything, <laughs> but you can trust them even when you don't. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, boom, dad. Yeah. You know, like, wow. Yeah. I, you know, when you're walking by faith, it doesn't mean that you always know the next step. Sometimes God gives you clarity. Sometimes, sometimes not. Just trust me. Yeah. And I think sometimes, I'm curious your thoughts on this, if you agree with this. I have a little, I got two young kids, a three-year-old and a seven-year-old. Now, Wilder, who's my three-year-old, uh, almost four next week, he'll be four. If he were to come to me and say, Daddy, I don't know if I should play soccer or baseball. And I'd be like, well, what do you want to do? And he's like, no, you got to tell me soccer, or baseball, soccer, or baseball. And I'd be like, no, what do you like? What fires you up? What do you want to do? And I think that oftentimes Christians will look at God as like, you have to tell me what I'm going to do. And I, if God is the perfect parent, I think jo- the situation of Jonah is a rarity. I think majority of the time God's like, well, what do you want to do? Like, what fires you up? I built, I built passion in you. Like, mm-hmm. what, do you, what are you going to do? And so I think Christians will take non-action because they just, God didn't tell them exactly where to go next. Where just like a parent, like 
just do something. Yeah. Um, maybe one thought to your example would be, hey, let's go to the backyard. We're going to play both. Yeah, See what yeah, fires you up. Yeah. Hey, and then tomorrow, let's maybe play both again. And then the next yeah. day, play both. And then let's see which one, yeah. you know, stirs in your heart. Let's yeah. see which one you have the desire for. And I would encourage, yeah. you know, one, for the love of sports, I think it actually helps you to do more. But then also to figure it out, I sometimes think, let's not stay on the sidelines of life. Yeah. Like, but go out and play the game. Yeah. And as we're playing, as we're competing, as we're learning, growing and developing, I just feel like we learn and God does more when we're active than when we're just stationary and just uh-huh. not doing anything. Yeah. A thousand percent. Hey, what do you love about your wife? Everything. Yeah. What, what? Um, I love that she makes me want to be a better man, a better husband. Mm. I love that she will say things that just so convict me. I love that she's so driven for things that God has convicted her of, God has put on her heart. I love that she's got such a passion to want to support women. I love that she's got such a a passion to want to help women that have gone through hard times. I love that she can have such drive that when she was competing for uh, Miss Universe, after she won Miss South Africa, she knew she would have to answer questions in English, mm. which English is not her first language. Afrikaans is her first language. And so for three months, she told everybody in her life, I will only talk, respond, text, email, write in English. That's drive. Yeah. That's a discipline to go after something. Yeah. And I love that. I'm like, that's so cool. Like, would I have been willing to do that? I don't know. Like, I would have slipped up and, you know, like, <laughs> like you know how hard it would be for me not to speak English for three months? Yeah. Like, I love that. I love her drive. I love her love for people. I love when she just gets excited about something. I love her smile when she just sees a sunset or a mm. beach and things that I don't really care about. And I appreciate him, not because I really do, but because she does. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Can you tell the story? I read it in your book, the, the engagement. <laughs> oh, <story>. shoot. <laughs> Is it because it was full of so many lies? <laughs> For any good engagement, it's oh. like full of lies. You're like, holy cow, yeah. I am lying about everything. Yeah, was, I don't even know how I can keep these straight. <laughs> Gosh, where do you even start with that? Yeah. We had just got back from South Africa where I had secretly asked her parents if I could marry her. We get back for ESPN and SEC. We do the national championship. Then we, our family had set Christmas up later in January because we could be together. We're all over the world. And then we got together and I was thinking, you know, like she knows that I love her so much and I know she loves me, but I, I don't want her to know this is coming, yeah. you know? And, um, so I, I gave her a ring for Christmas. So when we have the, I think it's January 7th or 8th or something, 9th or something like that, we have our family Christmas. Well, I gave her a ring, not a wedding ring, <laughs> just so she would think, oh, I got a ring. Yeah, but not the, not the other ring, you know? <laughs> and, um, but we had this whole built up lie. A lot of my family was in on it and friends were in on it where we told her that we're having a really big Christmas dinner at my parents' house. We weren't. It was all (laughs) surprise. And I even told her that I got my dad a brand new truck that we were going to drive over and surprise him. So the dealer put it up with a big bow thing on it. (laughs) And so all of, and she's, so just so she would think, oh man, like there's no way that Timmy would be having an 
when this is all for his dad and surprising with the truck and parent for his parents, there's no way he would be. So all of this, just, just throw her off the scent. She told me the only thing that she wanted for when this, this day did happen was for her to have her nails done. So obviously I, now I got to rally my sisters and I'm like, okay, you got to tell her that, hey, y'all are just, y'all always go do this before Christmas and blah, 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 make up a <laughs> So that they all went and did it and blah, blah, blah. And we finished all our Christmas stuff and we're, everyone's going to head over to mom and dad's and we get in this new truck and I just happen to be playing some of our favorite songs that are by her favorite um, South African artist named Matthew Mole who sings all of these different really love romantic songs and uh, amazing artists. And so we're playing them on the way there and we're having really good conversations that just happen to pop up on my playlist, you know? (laughs) And we get to the the farm where my parents live. And what she didn't know is I already had an archway built by our pond. That's a really meaningful place to me. It's where I decided where I was going to go to college. It's where I spent many days praying out there. It's where um, we buried two dogs that meant a lot to me. It's where it's just a meaningful place. Spent a lot of time. I had an archway built out there and there was hay bales and there was a bench set up and all of this. And so I said, once we get there, I said, um, hey, babe, I want you to see something that I had done for my parents. And so we start walking out there and we open the gate and we start walking and there's all these flowers and everything that along the walk and we get there. And I wanted her to have an idea that's coming. So now when she sees the flowers, she's like, maybe this could be the case. Mm. But what she didn't know is there was hidden cameras and mics throughout it. And who was hiding in the house was a lot of her family, her friends, mm. all of her parents from South Africa secretly flew them in. Her best friend secretly flew them in. And then we get to the arch and I get on my knee and propose and get to share with her just how much I cared for her and loved her. And and after I proposed, I had a sign that I gave that she didn't know because I, I turned her a certain way. And behind one of the hay bales comes walking Matthew Mole, her favorite artist from <laughs> South Africa, playing because I had it playing on my phone. And then she hears another voice and it's him walking. And so she's like, oh my goodness. And then I turn her as we're dancing so she can't see another area. And then one set of her parents, her parents got divorced when she was young and then they remarried and she's super close with all four. And they're all amazing, amazing people. And so they had her parents come out and she's crying. And then I kind of turn her again. And then we had her her best friends were there and then my family and then everybody else was there. And then we had a fun dinner and there was even more surprises to it all. But it was just so important to me to try to put in that effort so she would just know how much that she means to me. Yeah, It just, even from the ring that we got, everything I believe should have a story with it. And even to the ring, you know, it was a ring also from Africa that was a rare special jewel just like she is. That's so cool. You know, and it's just, uh, man, when you, you love someone so much, you want to do something special so they know how special they are. So that was just my intention behind it. Yeah, what's, how long ago did you get married then? Uh, three ago? and a half years ago. So what have you learned that has surprised you about marriage? Was it easier than you thought, harder than you thought? Like what, what's, what surprised you? You know, you, you hear so much about compromise and for us, it's on the big things. It was very little because we would see yeah. those eye to eye. It's on the really small things. I'm like, why do you care if I leave out these Zevia or LaCroix or a hub? Yeah. The game's not even over. We're just in the <laughs> second quarter. Why do I need to throw them away now? You know, and there's this little things like that. But then you would 
along the way, you'd realize it's not about um, winning that. It's not about, do I throw away my cans or put this away immediately? It's, does that actually make her happy? Mm. That's what it's about. Because just like we all have our own things that make us happy or we find joy in, if she finds joy in little things being cleaned up, you know, then it's worth it. Yeah. Then do it. It's not about, well, yeah, I'll do it after the game ends. Okay, I, I'll just do it now. Yeah, You know, and little things like that that I feel like I've learned. It just also makes you realize how selfish you are. Because yeah. why is it even that big of a yeah, deal, why Timmy? Yeah, why is even triggering me at all? Why, to, what is, yeah. why would I even want to be like, oh, just yeah. let me wait till halftime or yeah. the game. doesn't matter. Just do it. Why are you trying to win? This isn't something yeah. to win. You know, one thing that my pastor would say that really impacted me, he said, do you know what happens when you win? Someone else loses. Mm. And I was like, mm. why would... Like, yes, there's times and occasions that things, it's okay, you, it's okay to want to win. Yeah. And you can be very competitive towards yeah. things. But in certain things, it's not about winning because that means someone else is losing. It's about common ground in relationship and fellowship and community. And the win-loss is not the right mindset. And sometimes that's, I need help getting out of that. I've been so competitive my whole life. God's wired me that way and it can be used for good things, but it also can be sometimes I got to shift my mindset, yeah. you know, because why would I try to someone I love so much want to win about something so silly? Yeah. You know? Yeah. You know, uh, there's a quote that I think Stetson actually over here, Stetson who uh, handles all the podcast booking, but he put it on his resume when he applied for the job with me. He said, it said at the top, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. And uh, when I think about that quote, I think about your, like when I read your engagement story, mm -hmm. I thought of that exactly that. You could just do it or you could just completely overdo it. And I see it in a lot of areas of your life from the way you played football, <laughs> the way you practiced, the way, anything worth doing is worth overdoing. Like, let's commit to this thing and go mm -hmm. in. Now, in a related way, and the question I'll throw at you, you're in a position right now where this might come out, uh, this might come out as it's offensive, but hopefully it You're like the mascot for like Christians, you know, and Christians <laughs> love you, right? Uh, we love you, man. Uh, yeah, yeah, Alex, like, well, I don't know if mascot's the right word. Like I said, it might be offensive. No, but you're like, you're like what a lot of people want to be. At least the, the image you put out there is what a lot of Christians want to be, like giving and compassionate and loving and such. So as such, as a person who people put on a pedestal, maybe that's a better word there. People put you on a pedestal. How do you keep your ego in check and not fall? Because it happens well, so much. To, I would say first, leaders. because it's just not the truth. There's only one person that deserves to be on a pedestal and that's Amen. Jesus. Yeah. And if people look at me long enough, I promise I will let you down. Mm. But if they look at Jesus, he will never let them down. I think it goes back to our conversation at the beginning that I am a massively flawed sinner was truly saved by grace. What does that mean? It means I didn't earn it. I can't earn it. I couldn't earn it. But it was a free gift, truly undeserving. How can we live a grateful life? Because it's a grace-filled life. Yeah. That I actually am reminded that I couldn't do anything. That I was lost and I was someone that rejected Jesus so many times. Mm. Growing up, we went to church all the time, and my dad would say to me a lot, mostly my dad, when we'd be in church and they'd give an invitation, my dad would say, and I'll be usually kind of far down the line, we have five kids, you know, <laughs> sitting in the pew, and he'd say, Timmy, do you, you want to accept Jesus? 
And so many times I would say, you know, kind of being nervous and scared and being impacted, but just uh, I'm a people pleaser and I didn't want to get up and stand in front of, you know, just like us. And no, dad, I'm good. I'm good. I remember multiple times my parents sat me down in their bedroom too and said, Timmy, do you, you know, in different words, but would you like to accept Jesus? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Until one night I realized I couldn't sleep and I realized I'm not good. And I desperately need help. Mm. I'm a sinner that needs a savior. And I ran to go see my mom and I said, mom, I need to ask Jesus to come into my heart. She said, okay, let me go get your father. I said, no, mom, we don't have time. (laughs) 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 And, uh, And I got down on my knees on the west side of Jacksonville, Florida, and asked Jesus to come into my heart. And you know what's crazy? He did. Mm. Because he loves me and he loves you. And I would say to any of those people that think I would be a mascot, I think what they should know is that I'm super flawed, Mm. but I'm also super forgiven Mm. by a God that grace abounds more and more. And, And my goal is to somehow possibly do the best job of being the moon that I can. What do I mean by that? The moon has no light of its own. Mm. You know what reflects off the sun? Yeah, That's our job. I'm so flawed. You know what? I just hope that God's grace would somehow reflect off of me. And do you know what's also pretty cool is one thing that I've heard is that the moon, some of the spots where it actually shines brightest is from its craters. And I just think, man, with all of my weaknesses and shortcomings that people would also see that. The times where, man, I've built this game around me or I thought I've made it because of a game or because of I was somebody because I did that. Or they would see the pride of that. Or they would see the shame of my own sin. Or they would see the missing the mark because of just running after things that don't matter. And they would maybe see through that that those things don't matter. But through those crevices, maybe it would shine brighter of if they were thinking, oh, those, that's it, you know, that, no, that's not it. That's me missing the mark. Yeah. But God didn't miss the mark. He didn't miss the mark for us. And would we trust him? Would we trust him that he could even use the craters and the, the pain in our life and the disappointments and turn that into purpose? Yeah. That's where our God does. Our God is a God of reconciliation. So I'm, a, I'm not someone worth putting on a platform, but he is. Beautiful, man. Well, let me ask you a couple more questions. We'll get you out of here. But for those listening to the show that are not Christian, like they're just listening to the show and they're like, I mean, yeah, all that makes sense if you believe in God, but none of like, I just don't get it. What do you say to those people? Or maybe they're close. You know, I got friends that they get Christianity. They understand the concept, but the supernatural angle of it, they can't buy into it. They just logically can't get there yet. I think that you're probably going to fall into somewhat of one or two camps that you're either going to believe that all of this, that this planet, that you, that me, that all of it, that everything, the timing, the cells, the way it's all put together is either a really, really big coincidence or we serve a really, really big God. Mm. Usually it's gonna fall into one of those two. And when we look at everything that has taken place in history, and you you look at the life of Jesus, you look at the evidence for his resurrection, you look at the people that lived with him, and then you look that all of them were willing to die for him 
after his resurrection. Now, we're not sure exactly how many actually did, and that, but we do know that all were willing. And you think, man, they got to see him live. They got to see him die. They got to see him defeat death. And, and then they were so compelled, convicted, convinced that they were willing to give their lives. That's got to impact me. When you look at all of the world and all of the people and everything that's taken place, man, it takes a lot of faith to believe that it's just one big coincidence. And Mm -hmm. I just hope that everyone would know, regardless of what they believe or where they're sitting, that I believe that God loves them. That when he was on the cross, they were on his mind. Mm -hmm. That they're fearfully and wonderfully made that they are one of one, created in love, by love, and for love, and that God is crazy about them, and that he wants to know them. I couldn't couldn't, uh, say it better myself. That's great, man. All right, let's talk about some books. I want to know a book that changed your life. I'm not going to ask the people. I always ask what books changed your life, like the direction of your life, and then usually people. um, You kind of covered people with your parents, but what books have made a big impact Hmm. other than the Bible, we'll say? Yeah, it's a good one. A lot of different ones. Free Grace Soteriology by Dave Anderson, Heaven by Randy Alcorn. Oh, yeah, that's good. Um, when I was in high school, I got to read Purpose Driven Life yeah. by Rick Warren, Jesus Is, Life Is, Pastor Judah. I mean, I'm biased yeah. from to Louis you know, Giglio, but yeah. he's awesome. He's who married us, and oh, everything cool. he writes is, is so wonderful. Pastor Joby Martin, our pastor here, If the Tomb is Empty, Anything is possible, two books there that are very impactful. Oh, another one that I love that's really impacted my life. This would go super high on the list. How Good is Good Enough. Mm. Very short, easy read. Shoot, uh, Andy Stanley. Yeah, I was yeah, trying yeah. to think of his name. Yes, Andy Stanley. It's an amazing book to share with people, especially that are trying to be good enough and yeah. chase it and chase this rat race, this thing that honestly most of us do, that all of us think, you know, even sometimes us as believers trying to how i gotta be good i gotta and it's how good is good enough yeah you know it's just so challenging convicting it's a really short easy read that's a that's really really good one too very cool i haven't ever read that so i I think you'll really like it yeah very cool what's your advice to your younger self if you could give advice to your pre-college self one piece would be that likes aren't worth it giving in to just being, I'm very natural. I, I want to be yeah. liked. I want people to, I want to be friends with people. Yeah, and uh, many times that can adjust the choices you make because you want to be liked yeah. and accepted. Yeah. Sometimes likes aren't worth it, but respect and relationship and community is more worth it. That would be one piece. Another piece would be you're never too young for God to use you. Mm. You're never too old for God to use you. You're never too far from God for him to use you. You're never too far from God, wherever you're at. He wants to meet you. He wants to know you. I feel like many times our sin gets in the way and we think, well, because of this, I'm so far from him. And we can feel far from him. I think it would be one thought that has really impacted me is, and it's encouraging, is that we're not defined. When we know Jesus, we're not defined by our scars. Mm. We're defined by his mm. And keeping that, sometimes a thought process is really helpful for me. Sometimes you can't remember every word, but you can remember a quote or a visual. And you're, but just re- having something like that, you remember in your daily, you know, like, I'm not defined by this. I'm not defined by what I'm called here. I'm, not, I'm defined by the cross, mm. defined by his scars, because it counted for me. That would be a big one, because that changes your thought process and it changes your actions, yeah. changes your pursuit. 
wow, I don't have to listen to, I've thought this, I've said this, I've done this, I'm called this, or, and that could be good or bad. It could be a praise, yeah. you know? That's also ways that we can find definition and identity is that, man, when I get to pull out my ID, it doesn't say Timothy Richard Tebow, Jacksonville, Florida. It says son of God, mm. child of the King, home, heaven. Like that's, wow, that's, I think some of those would be yeah. things I would, that's a lot. Sorry, that's, that's maybe great, much. Dude, yeah. it's, it's amazing. It's related to the next <laughs> yeah. question, which is kind of the last official question of the day. Uh, and then just a couple wrap up. But when you pass away someday, what do you want people to say about you? Like, what do you want that legacy to be that Tim was? I think what I want them to say is, man, that, that was someone that was far from perfect. But man, he really ran hard mm. to help hurting people. Mm. Yeah, I love it. Well, with that final wrap up, man, what are you excited about? What's coming up in your life? I'm excited for every day, the things that we're getting to do, the hard places we get to go, the impact we get to see, yeah. even in the midst of desperation, what God is doing. You know, it's just so important that we don't get overwhelmed with the evil and the desperation, but we remember our God wins. Yeah. Love it. And where do you want people to connect with you at? And uh, if they want to donate to the Tebow Foundation? I would just say that, you know, if they want to be a part of the TTF family and go to timtofoundation.org, but it's not about that. It is wherever their heart feels pricked, called. Yeah. Just step into that. Could be in their own city, community, wherever you step into that. It's not about joining us. It's just about doing something because we all yeah. can do something. We all can make a difference. Yeah. Um, but let's not wait. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, you know, when we were in Colorado on top of that mountain, I had been praying for a number of years for something to prick my heart, for God to just say, like, that's the thing you can dedicate your life to. I mean, for a decade or longer, like, wow. I mean, everything's sad, right? Wow. Everything, every bad thing is sad. And it wasn't until you spoke at that event that I was like, that's the thing. Like, that's what I can get behind. So yeah, yeah I'm excited to have you out uh, in December, yes. I guess, at the Better Life Summit. Yeah, yeah you're going to be speaking there. And uh Dude, I'm excited to just uh, do this journey with you a little yes, bit. Yes, sir. Try to help support you guys. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you so much. Thank, Thank you. you. It was such fun questions. Deep Thanks, conversation. Man. That was good, man. Thank Enjoyed you. it. Appreciate you. And that is the show. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to another episode of A Better Life with Brandon Turner. I hope you enjoyed the insights and the wisdom uh, brought to you today on the show. If you found value in this episode, please consider leaving us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, your feedback actually does help us improve the show. We look at the feedback, I look at the feedback, and we can reach more people with our message of living a better life. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow me on social, Beardy Brandon. And hey, before I go, this show is all about the habits, actions, and beliefs that can give you a better life. But in case you're interested and you want to know my opinion on what it takes to live the best life ever, and that includes some of my kind of weird spiritual beliefs maybe, Check out abetterlife.com slash best life. Abetterlife.com slash best life. Thank you again for listening, and I will see you next time on A Better Life with Brandon Turner.